This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and I'm here with Rahul today. And when it rains, it pours. We're having back-to-back guests this time, and we're joined here by Matt from Beltway Blues. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Glad to be here. Super exciting. And I think we start a lot of these shows with a couple of questions that I think are important is why Chelsea? Why are you a Chelsea fan? Oh, man. Um, You know, every time I've answered this question, it's always funny. Like, and I got to say this because it's it's just the way I am. I'm so envious of people that like were born into the club. Like they had family members or something Mm. like that, or like literally they lived in the neighborhood or something like that. And and it's funny because I'm a big Yankees fan and I grew up in the area and and you grew up going to games since I was like five. So it's like, I've always like yearned for like being, have having that kind of historical context. I know being over here, it's not always the case too, but, um, very quickly, I had some friends in high school, had, you know, family members that have like long, lifelong Liverpool supporters of all places too. Mm. And and <clears throat> this was right, like, you know, when I was 13, 14, 15, like it, you guys remember the days, like, you know, Champions League football is on ESPN, Premier League coverage really isn't that great. So you're like kind of grabbing onto whatever's coming and hanging out with them. They'd be watching Liverpool matches yep. and stuff, which was, you know, the bane of my existence sometimes. So, um, <clears throat> that was really my introduction to like English football. And then, you know, they play Chelsea and obviously things get heated. And I'm like, all right, this is actually kind of interesting how this is playing out. And it was just a team I gravitated, gravitated towards. Um, It, it obviously helped that they were playing well, you know, you like your Mourinho part one is, is coming to fruition and you're like, okay, I could see, you know, there's, there's some strings here I can kind of grab onto. Um, And that's really what started it. And then everything after that was, really looking out for any time summer tours came around, you know? Mm. So, uh, the first time I saw them over here, I think it was 2000, oh, 2009. It was in Baltimore. We played, we played, we played area. Milan, right? Yeah. Drogba with the 35, 40 yard screamer, yeah. you know? Um, you know, that was the first time I got to see it in person. So anybody who's going on summer tour this year, right? Like I, if it's your first time seeing the club, I'm like, oh, God, I, I love having that experience. Right. So I'm always happy for people who have said, I've never gone and seen the club before. And, and that just like kicks off everything else. Right. And then it's like several years go by, you got to put money together to travel. And, um, I, I, you know, like we were talking like, you know, offline, like I'm from New Jersey originally. So I moved down to the DC area in 2010 and that's how I found Beltway Blues and slowly yeah. but surely got more involved with the club there. And that all just kickstarted me, like just finding ways to get more involved with the club, which ultimately leads to that pilgrimage to to the UK and going watching Chelsea at Stanford Bridge. Um, and my first match over there was 2013. And then we've gone just about every year since. Um, so God, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a wild ride. It's just something I gravitated towards and I'm, and I'm happy to one support the club and just love it in the way I do. And I think over time I was more of like, I want to get more involved, like, you know, domestically and, and, give people an opportunity and support people in their ways to support the club the way I kind of gravitated towards the club when I was growing up and, and finding the club as well too. So um, fast forward to 2023 and, and here, I, here I am. So um, 
God, yeah, I could go on for hours talking about the club, but it's just utterly incredible. As no, you guys, listen, as you listen, both know, I can, you know, <laughs> I, I can hear your passion for Chelsea, and I think that's one thing that's key with most of the fans we bring on here is that they do have a love for Chelsea. And you mentioned a couple of key things there that I want to pick up on. You really came at a point where our rivalry with Liverpool was very, very deep. I mean, we had many games with them that we played, not only in the Champions League, but FA Cups and different cups throughout the years, and. That definitely yeah. will help you cement your love for Chelsea, seeing how that rivalry kind of bled deep and shows you what we want. And the other thing you mentioned that I really like is Chelsea started coming to the United States a lot more during that period. And I think mm-hmm. that allowed us in the United States as fans to kind of see them and kind of get to know them in action and kind of get the love that we all have for Chelsea. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Rahul, I'm going to pass it over to you to talk a little bit more about the Beltway Blues group itself. Welcome, Matt. And I, I loved listening to your how you gravitated towards Chelsea. And it, it's so interesting because everyone has such a unique story. And even when we were speaking to the RDU yeah. Blues, um, they had a whole different experience. They had to travel all the way to Australia to, to get involved, right? So um, your journey <laughs> was a little bit closer to home, which I'm sure is was nice. But uh, coming to the Beltway Blues, you did mention them. 2010 is when you got involved. Uh, t- talk to me about uh, the group itself and getting started when did it get started how many members where do you meet and and all the good stuff uh, related to the group yeah yeah um if i'm not mistaken we started in 2010 um allison would have more historical context of the club because she's the one who founded it too so um you know my involvement early on was really just attending matches like you know finding the spot you know finding the bar at four courts to, to go watch matches um and go a handful of times a year and just meet people get acclimated to like supporters and stuff like that too um not going to put a hard number on how many members we have too but i I will say we're one of the larger groups kind of in the u.s um and and actually one thing i think contributes to that is just how transient kind of the area is we always have members that like come and go to like dc is just a weird area for people to move in and out of because of jobs or, or you know whatever the case may be too so it feels like every week at a match, like a, at a match meetup, like I'm meeting new people. Like, oh, I just moved to the area from like, I, here's a perfect example. Like uh, this past season, like I was at the bar and obviously we've had to relocate and I'll get to that in a second. But like I met two people at the bar who both relocated from Rochester, didn't know each other, like had no idea, like Chelsea groups like <laughs> up in that area, like found us like on social media and stuff. And and it was like, it was like consecutive weeks. I was finding like different people have moved to the area too. So we are just... We're super transient. I think it's because of the area. Um, we cover a wide distance too. So it's not just like DC, it's like parts of Maryland. There's parts of Northern Virginia too. So we have a really broad scope that we can pull from. And that may not correlate to people traveling like from Loudoun County or Leesburg or something like that to go into to Arlington to watch matches each week. But there's a significant amount of engagement, which I love. And I think that really has a lasting impression on people and our, and our, and our members too, and our supporters too. So it's great that they, they gravitate towards us and they, and they stick with us, you know, whether they're in the area or they're just passing through or they're out of the area, but they stay engaged with us to some capacity too. So um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've been around for, for quite some time. Um, My involvement with the club has been a little more recent um, and it was really just, some life changes in the past, like what, three years, give or take, um, mostly job change that kind of offered me a little more, uh, availability. So got to go to the pub a lot more, get more involved, meet more people. And, um, I think you mentioned you had Allison on the pod, like what about a year ago too? And that's exactly who I kind of yeah. just, you know, I had, we had obviously some camaraderie seeing each other at the pub all the time and just on a whim was like, I love to get more involved. Like, what can I do? How can I help out? And, 
that kind of just, you know, slowly started into like some, you know, managing some of the social media, whether it was Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and um, kind of just snowballed from there, you know, and, and um, kind of took that mindset of kind of just proving my worth. Like I want to be involved, but I want to do a good job and I want to be able to help this club stand up, continue to stand up and grow. And um, that's culminated into some other opportunities nationally, right. You know, helping other supporter clubs, uh, within the mid Atlantic region, whether it's like getting more involved with like the, the folks up in Baltimore, charm city, the Hampton roads group, um, as well, you know, your, your RVA blues down in Richmond too, kind of coordinating some, some kind of regional meetups too. Um, and then now, you know, the club's coming back to the region too. So I get a, I get an opportunity to kind of lead the way into some of the, um, you know, summer tour stops too. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a, been a wild ride in a very short time, but super happy to be involved and yeah, I have no plans on stopping there. So no, and, and you can hear it, the, the love you have for Chelsea, but also for the Beltway blues and, and what that represents to you and, and everyone around, right? You mentioned Rochester, Jackie went to school up in Rochester and, and now lives in Houston and found the Houston blues. So, uh, the beauty yeah. of, of being a Chelsea fan in America, but also globally, because we, you got to think about there are supporter groups all over the world, is that you can find each other and you can find people that uh, want to wake up at 6 a.m. and go watch games or want to wake up, in the case of the West Coast, yeah. at 3 a.m. and watch games. So that's the beauty of being a supporter. And, and I do have to commend uh, Allison, but also people before her that have put in the work uh, to get Chelsea in America, but also the supporters groups set up in a way that everyone can just connect and, and watch together. So, uh, Jackie, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, listen, it's it's fun to hear about all the supporters clubs and definitely fun to hear about the work that you guys are putting in to keep the club going. I think it's important that you mentioned it being transient just because of the way, you know, the D.C. area is people coming in, moving yeah. out. But it's great to just keep it moving and keep people engaged and keep people excited that they want to come in and see everything that's going on and, and continue to be a fan because I've heard of other fans that have joined a supporters club in one state or one city and unfortunately you have to move and we make it fun. It's like a transfer to another supporters club and they get to continue <laughs> their love for Chelsea as far as that goes. So no, definitely lovely. I want to transition into the US tour. And I think this is important because you said earlier they're coming over close to the DC area. They're going to be in Maryland, but running through it really quickly, today we just played Wrexham, which is a big game, I think, in in where Wrexham is in their in their footballing world today. But we're moving over to Philadelphia soon. We're going to be playing Brighton. Rahul and I hope to make that game. Newcastle and Atlanta. And then they're coming over to you guys in Landover, or at least closer to you guys in Landover. How far is that trip? Are you guys trying to make it out there? How many folks from your club are trying to make it out there? For the Landover stop? Yes. Yeah. Um, God, well, we've got a whole packed weekend too so i'll i'll preface what we have going on sunday yep. with, with saturday too so i can run the full gamma for everybody absolutely um and actually i'll start on friday so um we're doing something a little more informal but uh some of our members have season tickets to like dc united and washington spirit and the spirit of yes. a game on friday night at audi field so i know we're coordinating some just more uh informal kind of get-togethers if anybody's getting to town on, on that friday too to wants to go watch a spirit match um I've been to a handful of them. They're great. I mean, the team's awesome. Tons of fun. So definitely, I won't be there, unfortunately, but I definitely recommend going, uh, meeting up with folks. But Real Party kicks off on Saturday. So um, the 29th, um, we will be at Astro Beer Hall, which is downtown DC. Um, it is a 
God, maybe about 500 yards, give or take from the Metro center stop. So it's pretty centralized. If you're taking public transit, it's super easy to get into. Um, if you're familiar with our history, you're probably wondering why are you not at four courts um, in Arlington? Um, if you've seen the post and you've seen the stories come up um, this time, it was last August, um, a, a car actually crashed into the front of four courts, caused a fire and stuff like that. So they have been under renovation for the past year, um, which made us nomads, right? We, we've, been, we've bounced around between two or three bars and pubs across DC this past year. Um, very thankful that the supporter clubs in the area for other, for other, you know, for other clubs across DC were, were graceful enough to host us. So can't thank them enough, which has been great too. Um, unfortunately, Four Courts is not going to be ready in time for this tour stop too. So we had to pivot. So we'll be at Astro Beer Hall. Have We've had some great conversations with them. They have an excellent space. They've got a downstairs space too that hosts a ton of people. It's got plenty of bars, staging area, music, whole nine yards, everything you could think of. Um, everything that we wanted for, for an event, they had. So it was a great secondary option if four courts was not going to be available too so we'll be at astro beer hall um the event proper kicks off at 12 p.m so um we'll all be there at 12 music will be going drinks will be flowing right at 12 o'clock and then we've got a series of events taking place throughout the day too so um we've got the london and blue guys doing a live podcast at 2 30 in the afternoon um, at five, we have, uh, Neil spy Barnett doing story time. He seems to do that on every tour too. So excited to see what other stories he pulls out of his hat this time. You know, he's always got those crazy hats going too. So I was give him a hard time. I'm like, what stories you got underneath there? You're going to tell us this time about Mourinho or, or God knows what, you know, that you're going to come up with. So, um, that's that, at five that o'clock. Endless yeah. stories. <laughs> Uh, I was at Charlotte last year and like, it was funny. He, I can't remember how long he was supposed to go on for, but he like went way after. And it was funny, like looking around the room, people like tapping their like watches, like got to wrap up and he was just blowing by them. And then even afterwards he'd come to, he came to the table and just stood there and just, it just kept going. Like we got our own little personal like story time. I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is intense. But I mean, I, it, we, we talked about the, like my historical context with Chelsea, like how I got involved and stuff too. Um, I'm God. I, when I dive into something, I dive in like full stop too. And I don't mean to derail for a quick second, but I'm, I'm always big on the historical context. So I'm always reading up about like what Chelsea was like previously. I think that gives you a more holistic view of what the club was like. I think it makes it, um, I think it makes you a little more grateful for the club. So you can see where they've, where they've, where they've been, where they've gone, even if you were, whether you were alive or not, like it gives you some great context on like what the club is like, like, current state so listening to spy talk is like a dream for me because i love not only the inside information but just the historical context of the club just gives me so much more so um if that's your thing spy will be going on at five o'clock maybe you'll take a nap during that time i don't know it's gonna be a lot of drinking it's gonna be a long day so maybe (laughs) maybe that's your nap time um and then probably the the marquee event is um at eight o'clock that night and we've got Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank coming into town. So he's going to do a QA. and um, Figure we'll probably work in a meet and greet too. Maybe he'll sign some stuff, take some photos, just like we do at every other tour. As you probably saw, Gary Kale was down in Raleigh or, or Chapel Hill. So, um, you know, very similar approach with all the summer tours too. So I uh, I think I got to go buy Jimmy's book so he can, he can sign it. So <laughs> I looked for a shirt if I had a spare one somewhere and I couldn't find one. So I was like, oh, maybe he'll sign his book for me. So um, yeah, yeah. So whole thing kicks off at 12. We've got, you know, the live pod, we've got Spy, we've got Jimmy Floyd um, throughout the day. Um, so it's going to be a long day. Um, 
you can come and go as you please if you want, but we encourage people to stay the entire time. Um, one thing we're doing that's really going to help locally is we are doing a raffle uh, as well. We're going to sell raffle tickets. We're going to be giving away a slew of different things. Um, you know, three retro jerseys we've got to like Chelsea ones. We've got some other um, supporter club merch we're going to raffle off to, whether it's like hats or shirts, stuff like that. Um, and if Chelsea brings stuff too, I mean, we'll, we'll gladly, you know, give that stuff away too. But um, we partner with DC Scores. They're like a poet athlete organization too. I know they've got some subsidiaries across the U.S. and stuff, but DC Scores is really our big sponsor in the area. They partner with DC United a lot too, and we've gotten more involved with them too. So actually all the proceeds from the raffle is going directly to DC Scores too. So there's a pretty good community element to that as well. So really excited to, to raise some money for them. Yeah, and thank you for sharing the breakdown of what all is going on. And I think one thing that's important to note as Chelsea fans in the US, sometimes I have a little bit of envy that I can't go to a game on the weekend and enjoy what's going on. But when Chelsea does come to the US, I do find it impressive that all the supporters group, including you guys, put on a show. It's really fun with all the event planning, different things for people, especially if you're coming from from out of town. It's not just a one day thing, come for the game for a couple hours and go. There's a couple right. of days worth of events and you get to meet other people from the Chelsea supporters clubs, which is always a great fun time. So looking forward to it. I hope more people who are listening can attend. It'll be a great time. And Rahul and I have also had a chance to meet with Neil Spy Barnett and we can echo. <laughs> he has some good stories to share and it's a fun time to listen to him. So I know he's talking about history and different things, but definitely worth the listen. Uh, we're going to pause here for a quick second, but we'll be right back. The Premier Chelsea has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the U.S. and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Network's broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. Okay, and we are back. Rahul? I spoke a lot in that first half of the segment. I want to turn it over to you to talk a little bit about Wrexham. I know I actually watched most of the game, so maybe you can kick it off, give us a little preview, get Matt's feelings, and then I can wrap it up there in Wrexham as well. Absolutely. But before we get into Wrexham, Matt, we had a Sunday uh, activity that we didn't really get to touch on. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that, and then we'll get into the Wrexham piece. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very quickly, um, obviously, there's two matches that day. We're the, we're the latter of the two. So if you have a ticket to the match, you get both. Um, we're actually going to be uh, meeting in the parking lot uh, to do a, a pre-match tailgate at 11 a.m. at FedEx Field, too. So um, I know we will have two buses doing runs from Astro Beer Hall on Sunday morning um, to FedEx Field and back. I know space is limited. So if you're interested in kind of piggybacking off of the bus, um, reach out to us on one of the social medias, whether it's like Twitter, Instagram, you can find us at Beltway Blues, CIA, um, just send us a message. I don't know what space we have for the second bus. I know the first one's full, but we're going to be doing a shuttle out there to help kind of subsidize some of the um, the travel costs and stuff too. But we'll have a tailgate in the bus lot uh, starting at 11 a.m. We'll all go into the match together, watch the match, and then we're going to do a post-match party back at Astro as well too. So if you find yourself back in D.C. and want to keep the keep the party going, we'll be back there at 6 o'clock after the match too. So, um, yeah, packed weekend, man. It's going to be a long weekend, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So really excited. 
it absolutely will be and you probably will need the the monday to recover but i'll leave that up to <laughs> up to the everyone that's attending uh, and hopefully jackie and i will be able to join you at least for one of those two days we'll we'll let you know our plans but uh moving on to Wrexham, so our preseason has officially started uh today and it started with quite a bang a five goals win against Wrexham in north carolina uh, i'm sure the supporters out there as well as us watching on tv enjoyed that but I'll run through the starting 11 and then I'll get your guys' feedback and, and what your thoughts are on, on some of the players that featured. So Jamie Cumming uh, playing in goal behind uh, Malo Gusto, who was uh, making, I believe, his non-competitive debut. Trevor Chalaba, Bashir Humphreys, and Mark Kukurea in the back four. Andre Santos, someone we've heard a lot about. Cesar Cassidy in midfield. Uh, and then... Uh, Diego Moriera, Carni Chukimeka, and Ian Matson uh, as a three behind Nicholas Jackson, our new striker. So a uh, lot of new names in there, names that uh, that have some just come in, some have been here, but been kind of part of the academy, gone out on loan. Jackie, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on, on this lineup and kind of expected based on uh, just this being the first game of preseason? Yeah, for sure. I think a big initial reaction is a little bit of shock because it's a completely new team that we are not used to over the last few seasons. And it must be said, Chelsea have sold a lot of talent and have sold a lot of players. And so we have to look towards the future. And I love that it's a young, energetic starting eleven. And I think there's more to come. Maybe a lot of these players may not be Mauricio Pochettino's starting eleven, but it's good to see what they bring to the table. And I, for one, was excited. I know it is Wrexham, but listen, they come with a lot of pressure because they are this team that has a big social media following. They have fancy owners, for lack of better words. So I'm glad. I'm glad the young players didn't let that go to their head and they were able to perform and actually show us what their talents are and what they're capable of. Yeah, you're totally right because it's, sure, it's preseason, but there's still 50,000 fans out there. And and just touching on the Wrexham piece, a year ago, their first preseason game was in front of about 1,700 fans. So this is quite a jump for them as well. Uh, and I'm sure we could spend a, a full episode talking about everything that they've done and in, in from the marketing to just building up the name. But focusing on Chelsea, Matt, as Jackie said, some of these younger guys have an opportunity now. With people leaving, with changes yet to you be made, uh, they have an opportunity to kind of show Pochettino and show us, the fans, that they could do a job and they could be part of the 25-man squad that uh, we're trying to build. But what were your thoughts on on this 11? And did anyone stand out right from the beginning? You know, it's funny. Like, I go in every preseason, I, I kind of just go open-minded and just know we're still trying to flesh out the squad and trying to figure out who's going to go on loan, who's still kind of being going to be sold, who's going to stay. Um so there were definitely shades of that, but there's this weird like aura now because we've we've made so many moves, we've we've pushed a lot of guys out, and we've brought a lot of young guys in. It's kind of like an interesting, like I think it's leaning more about who's going to stay and less about who's going to be sold and loaned because I think we are leaning super heavily into this like younger squad, and I think you actually saw that on the on the pitch today. Like you mentioned, like Cassidy in the starting eleven. I think you'd probably if if you had to pick a man of the match, it'd probably be him. Um, he was just fearless on the ball, like had just this outright comfort of like carrying the ball through the midfield, um, bodying guys on off the ball, like making good passes. There was, um, I think it was early in the, it was late in the first half. Like he's making runs into the box, right? The ball goes long right into the keeper, but it's like, I mean, how often were you seeing like uh, some of our midfielders making those level of runs last year too? So I think there was kind of a chip on the shoulder to, you know, 
make an effort and, and, and show that you're worthy of being here. So I don't know if that's going to result in him staying in the first team, but I think it absolutely warrants a Premier League loan if that's what they're going with. I feel like anything less than that, honestly, would be kind of detrimental to his performance. I mean, now he was at Reading last year and stuff like that, but you could argue he could be at a lower table team this this upcoming season and actually do well. Um, so I think he was really the standout. Um, you know, Matson obviously with the with the two goals. Um, <laughs> You know that was great to see. I was I was kind of apprehensive at the first because I was like he's really playing really high up the pitch, and I don't know if we're going to see him there normally because that's maybe not the norm position per se. But um, I think that's actually a nice precursor if he stays with the first team. Like you know, Pochettino plays that high press style, gets the fullbacks forward, right? So if he's going to play in that position, he's going to be in those positions where he's going to have some link up with like you know a ten or a nine or something like that. So seeing him have link up with like with with Nicholas Jackson was like was huge and obviously Carney as well too you're seeing a lot of that link up play too so I was really happy to see um see some of that you know uh it's funny I I saw some mixed bags online about Andre Santos and and it's funny like some of those more like cool calm collected players sometimes go under the radar but I had a particular interest in him and and he had that he had that crazy just mature mindset on like young shoulders kind of take it was like he had those. He was in that position where it was like if you weren't paying attention, he was almost he was he, you didn't notice he was there. Almost like a Busquets in a way, which is kind of weird to to say, but um, just calm, cool, collected, made some great passes. I, I found one thing I found really interesting about him, and I don't know if anybody caught it, was he was pretty vocal in asking for the ball. Like he was like even when guys were surrounded by him, he was like, I want the ball. And I think that's huge for confidence too. It shows he's, he's, he wants to be on the pitch and he's obviously played to being on the pitch as well. So I think that's great. Um, my only concern there too, is this was early on, I think it kind of subsided, but seeing like Cassidy, like kind of be pretty liberal with getting forward. I was worried that like, if Santos was going to stay back, like what was that going to look like? Was he going to get caught out or anything like that? And he played that role supremely. So, um, you can tell midfield's been a hot topic. Obviously, it's been a hot topic in, in transfer news and stuff like that. So that was kind of my particular my my initial take was midfield particularly, and I, I was really impressed. I, I love on on the number of points that you've brought up, but yes, the Andre Santos one. It's I, I joked with Jackie while we were watching it when he was like, Andre Santos looks good, and I was like, oh, he's on the pitch. But that, that kind of goes to the <laughs> point you were mentioning, right? It was like he he wasn't like stand out but he did the job that he had to do and you weren't like yeah you weren't you almost in that position you notice it more when a mistake happens or or, or a pass goes right. wrong uh, and he just did the job and kind of moved things along and kept it ticking and Cassidy like you were mentioning I think I was a little more like whoa this there's something here that that's catching my eye and I think it caught a lot of people's eyes um so yeah I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how we uh, kind of use him for the rest of this preseason and what the plan is for him going into into the season. Uh, but Ian Matson, Jackie, left back. We have more left backs and probably even strikers, wingers at this point. Uh, <laughs> plays as at left wing. Is this maybe a Gareth Bale kind of situation where starts off a little bit deeper and gets pushed up? front and finds a new position and maybe flourishes in there. I'm, maybe I'm getting carried away to Wrexham. It's 45 minutes, <laughs> but I saw two goals from a winger and I haven't seen that or left back. I haven't seen that in a very long time. Yeah, look, full respect to Wrexham, but I think on paper we have that quality that we should be getting 
two, three, four goals, and we got five ultimately in the end. And coming to Ian Matson, I think Rahul, it's always going to be a difficult conversation where he fits with Ben Chilwell, Kukurea, even Lewis Hall can play at left back. So I think it's good. It's smart for Mauricio Pochettino to say, I like you. I want you to stay. Maybe you can't play every game at left back, but if we're feeling short at attacking midfield or we're feeling short on the left side or someone's injured, he can come in and do a job. Let's not forget he's still only 21. So giving him game time and telling him you may be the long-term left back or at least playing enough games at left back, but there is another position you can play and get game time and continue to flourish in this Chelsea team. I think that's great. And I think he looked active. He looked hungry. And again, I have to hold my praise a little bit because I know the levels will only go up from here with the next teams we play and obviously with the Premier League. But I want to switch a little bit into the striker position because that's another hot topic. And Chelsea has struggled for years to find a good striker. Nicholas Jackson has impressed me so far. I know it's still early days and I'm repeating what I said. We need to see what happens in the next few games. But looks physical, looks strong, looks not selfish. I think that's very important. He was able to bring the likes of Ian Matson and some other players into the mix. We talked about Cassidy. We talked about Santos. So it's looking good. I don't want to get too excited. We need to just give us a little bit of time. But excited to see what the next preseason and the, and the few more games that come after this bring. Yeah, you, you stole my Nicholas Jackson point and thunder. But yes, he did. He definitely <laughs> did look good. Um, and I am interested to, interested to see how that evolves over the next few games. And ultimately, I know we're in the market for a striker or at least reported to be in the market. Uh, and if that person comes in, how that impacts Jackson. But I just saw Fofana out on loan today for uh, Union Berlin score a beautiful goal. So uh, I'm cautiously excited. Maybe I was a little too excited with uh, with the Ian Matson piece, but um, five goals, guys. Overall, it ended up being um, five goals from us. Ian Matson with the double. Connor Gallagher comes up in Kunku, who we haven't really spoken about, scores the fourth. And Ben Chilwell, right at the end, kind of reminding all of us that he is the first choice left back uh, and can score goals, uh, getting the fifth one and wrapping up a, a decent day at the office. Of course, it's a first game heavy legs in certain cases. Kukurea coming back on as a, as a sub after going off, um, which I believe Thiago Silva was there, but got the night off. Uh, hopefully there's nothing more than just uh, giving him some time. Uh, but overall reactions, uh, Matt, from this first game, not trying to get carried away or anything. It is a preseason friendly, uh, but you kind of start off how you intend to go, and this is a great start. Yeah, Um you know, that first goal, Nicholas Jackson, I, I what I really loved was like the link up play with like Moreira too. Like he really wanted to be involved, which I loved. And he was really playing that high pressure that Pochettino really likes too. Um, so there was a bit of eagerness there. One thing I, I loved about Jackson was like, I mean, he gets the ball deep and he makes runs in and around like the defense. But he, so he's clearly good with the ball at his feet. Um, but he dribbles with his head. He dribbles with his head up, which I absolutely love. I feel like we miss a lot of that too. And he finds Matson for you know for for a slot home too. I, just historically, I found us we, we dribble with our heads down, and then it's like you don't see the guys making the runs. I mean, go back to a couple of years when Timo Werner is making runs behind the line. Yeah, there's an ongoing joke about him being offside. But how many times was our midfield having the ball at their feet and not seeing him the making the runs because they had their head down and. I know Jackson's not a midfielder, but where he had the ball, you could probably make an argument there. So I was really impressed to see him dribble with his head up too. Um, 
I had a little bit of a chuckle when Cuckoo came on because I was like, oh, great, another 10 and a 9. Like, we've been through this before. Like, this will be tons of fun. <laughs> but then he just, then he goes around the keeper and, and bags one. And I was like, okay, like maybe there's a little more athletic ability here. Or he's a little more dynamic in that position. And, um, you know, I'm not going to put too much emphasis into that because it's first match of preseason. So I think it's more about just getting him on the pitch and just getting him some chemistry. Um, with the broader group as well. Um, if Matson's going to keep bagging goals in the position he's in, I think that tracks for the past couple of years, because whether it's Reese James or Chilwell bagging goals from fullback, wingback positions, I mean, we're okay. We'll take it. We've been through that before, but you know, the, the desire to have a nine and a 10, you know, be scoring goals and stuff like that is huge. So um, a lot of promise here, you know, um, you know, I, I mentioned the thing about Werner, right? Playing the balls, you know, playing balls long and stuff like that. Funny thing I noticed too, and I'm going back to the midfield a little bit, is I didn't see much of that today. Um, and Hello, I think had a few balls over the top, and you know, being a little more creative. And I and I he got a little slow going in the second half, maybe with the formation change. But later on, especially with the Chilwell goal, I was like, okay, this, this kid's got it. Um, we we largely played on the ground. You know, we we really carried the ball from deep. Um, maybe that's just Cassidy and his ability, which is which I love to see. Um, but I'm really curious to see where Enzo now fits into this too. Like obviously he's going to be starting in the midfield, but he's got that creativity to look vertically. Yeah, right. So if like you know Nicholas Jackson is going to make the runs or in Kunku or something like that, really curious to see kind of how that dynamic plays out too. Like if you've got the ability to carry the ball through the midfield or play stuff over the top. Cause you've got people looking downfield, you know um, I think the possibilities are endless for us too. So a lot to be, a lot to be happy about, you know, this, this first match again, still preseason season. So I'm not going to go crazy about it, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And, and we should be right. The season that we came off of uh, all the changes that have happened in the past six weeks uh, to finally just see the boys out there and see them play and see them playing that in that kit without a sponsor was was special and mm-hmm. we should cherish that and we should take that uh into the next games and build upon that but matt you made some great points with with jackson with uh with the goal in kunku scored i want to take it a step back and just talk about the ball that cassidy plays he he looked up he put his head up and said you know what i'm just gonna put it in there and let in kunku do the rest of the work which he did and of course the yeah. goalie stops it and and that could stop you and you You'd maybe miss it and if you're a different player that Matt may have just mentioned. I'm not going to mention him. <laughs> um, but he gets it, right? And and those are some sometimes the things that help you in this early part of your career. So uh, a lot still to to evolve, a lot still to come. You mentioned the formation change. We didn't, we didn't really touch on that, but we did see that as well. And that's something that we'd like to continue to see because Matt and I were chatting offline and and we don't always want to be a back four. We want to evolve. We want to do things differently. If we're chasing a game, we throw other players on. We change the formation. But now is the time to do all of that and, and test it out. Um, Jackie Wrexham, I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting them to, to come out here and, and beat us by two, three goals. But they put on a good showing. They kind of are four divisions below us, uh, even with all the players they have. But still a lot for them to be, to be proud of. Yeah, listen, I think you you mentioned it earlier of where they were last year and who they played for preseason, how many fans were in the stadium to where they are now. I think other than getting physically fit, and I think it's always good to play with full respect to to Wrexham, an opposition that's a little bit better than you just to kind of work yourself. They are going a league higher, so definitely something that's worth it for that. And it's only going to grow their brand. I think that's very important for Wrexham as they climb or their goal is to climb the leagues in England, is to build your brand so you can get more funding, you can attract more players. And so 
all in all, I think good day for Chelsea, but a very good day for Wrexham. If you look back on this in a few years, no one's going to remember 5-0. They're going to remember the building blocks that Wrexham put towards growing and, and moving up in the leagues. Absolutely. That's very well put. Uh, moving, Let's move on from Wrexham. And before we just go into the final part of the episode, uh, I do want to get some reaction from both of you on the Wesley Fofana news that came out earlier this week. Uh, has injured his ACL, had surgery again, uh, and will most likely be out for seven to eight months, which would pretty much be the full season. Matt, we know he had a serious injury before his move to Chelsea. He's been in and out of the squad in this last season. And now this kind of derails him a little bit with his progression and and hoping to become this first choice center back uh, as we evolve as a team. What are your thoughts on this and on, on this and how do we kind of move forward from this knowing that Badishile is also coming back from a hamstring injury. So really down to Trevor Chalabad and Thiago Silva and let's not forget Levi Colwell, who is a big piece in this, but um, that's Thiago Silva about to turn 39 and then two relatively younger center backs that we have to work with. Yeah, I don't know how much further Thiago Silva can turn back the clock, um, <laughs> but I'm really hoping that he continue to he can continue to do that. I mean, he's the he's the one going to be carrying the captain's armband. He's obviously just been a great asset for us. It's someone I would have loved to have a decade before, obviously. So we're getting him in the twilight of his career, but he's really turning it back, which is great. Um, you know, the, the injury, injury to Fafana is really devastating. I mean, you could probably point to some historical context of him having prior injuries. Maybe there's some buyer beware, you know, precautions there as well, too. But, um, it, there was a point in last season as, as grim as it was, um, he was like the best, he was the, the best player on a pitch. Like he was just bossing guys around really taking control of the defense too so when when i saw that i'm like okay there's clearly a lot of promise here obviously he's he's got a proven talent playing in the premier league so okay like that's that's you know full stop there um but i really thought like in the conversation of like who's going to be the leader in this squad come next year you know more broadly you know further down the road who's going to be potential captain material i actually kind of looked at fofana quite a bit you know obviously reese james is kind of the you know, de facto next in line, if you will. But I, I thought Wesley Fofana was actually going to be that guy that's really going to be the, a, a real leader on the pitch too. To, so to see him have this injury is a bit devastating. Um, it obviously paves the way for Levi Colwell. Everybody wants to slot him in next to Thiago Silva, which rightfully so. He's he's proven himself and he's going to get a big chance here at the club too. So um, I think the playing time alone is going to be enough for him to, to stay, you know, whether the club wants to sell him or not, it's a different conversation. Everything seems to point to, no, we're not going to sell him. And rightfully so you shouldn't. Um, also, we've kind of, we've had, we've, we've had that conversation previously, right. With like the, with, with defenders selling, not selling with Tamori or like, you know, Mark Gooey and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see where this one's with this one goes, but you know, Batty Ashile really stepped up last year, obviously very young. Um, um, but, very physical, very smart on the ball, made some, you know, made some mistakes too, but you're going to come with that with the young, it's going to come with the young squads too. So, and I'm, I'm a little more realistic and I'm willing to deal with some mistakes anyway. Um, you know, if it, if it provides some long-term growth, um, I think the big conversation here is going to be about Trevor Chalaba, who obviously looked great today. I mean, again, it's Wrexham, it's several leagues lower. Um, but I, I felt that he played with a little, uh, a certain level of like, uh, like just, he was just very proud because he had the captain's armband too, too. And obviously maybe he's probably more senior amongst everyone else on the, on the pitch there. But um, I think Trevor would be great to keep this year. Um, 
I take a strong emphasis in guys who will play out of position if it means for the greater good. And I call it a Chalaba directly because he was playing right back several times last year when Reese James was out or Aspilicueta's legs were just out of it all entirely and doesn't complain, just sticks to the position as, as well or how bad it goes. So, you know, the guy clearly clashed for the club and I think an opportunity for him to slot in. Whether we're playing a back four or back three, we're going to need the bodies there. Um, I think he's going to be a good talent for us. Um, and then Bashir Humphreys obviously had a good loan at, at Paderborn this past year, even though it was only six months. Um, you know, six two, six three, center half. You know, um, twenty years old. This is the opportunity to really build those guys into the squad and see what they're made of and really have them grow. You know, and when, you know, maybe expectations are not as large as if you're competing for a title or there's injuries come up, it's like, okay, let's see what we got. Um, and I always call back to Pochettino, right? It's always, he's got a track record of like developing youth talent and younger guys. Okay, well, we've got a slew of younger guys that he can develop too. So either you're going to lean into that or not. And I would imagine we would lean into it with his appointment. So, um, yeah, yeah. Fafana's injury was really bummer, but I think there's some opportunity for some of these younger guys that are hungry to real step up. Yeah, and and that's been the case with a lot of the outgoings, which has opened the door for not just our academy players, but also some of the younger folks that we've bought in the last year or so. Jackie, I saw you nodding your head with a lot of what Matt was saying, so I'll ask you a different question. Harry Maguire's name has come up as a replacement or a potential center back, and I see Matt shaking his head very, very aggressively. Um, is that even, is that even a conversation we should be having? I don't think so. I don't think that's from any credible sources. And and honestly, Matt hit on some good points. We have a lot of talent in that position. I think when the summer window opened, no one was screaming for defenders or center backs. I think we were well stocked as far as defenders go. And I'll just echo a few points that Matt made and stay away, far away from the Harry Maguire discussion, which is, I think when you look at someone like a John Terry, he kind of made his way through the club playing alongside an older defender and the likes of Marcus, Marcel Desailly. So I'm thinking with Thiago Silva, hopefully the younger guys, obviously the likes of Chaloba, even Levi Colwell, will get an opportunity to learn from one of the world's best and just kind of grow from there. And hopefully, hopefully Fofana can get enough time to heal properly because we don't want to have this recur- reoccurrence of injury and injury and injury. If they do the right surgery, give the man the time to rest and re- recuperate, I think we have a very good player in there. It's just a matter of letting him stay fit. A hundred percent agree with you. And, and that's where we'll, we'll end that discussion. And Jackie, I'll pass it back to you to do the kind of expectations for the season and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. A lot of expectations, a lot of pressure, a lot of excitement from Chelsea fans. We're all looking at Mauricio Pochettino after the seasons we've had and said, do something, make something happen. But I think we have to be a little realistic. So Matt, I'll come to you and discuss this. What are you realistically expecting past preseason? Do you think that Mauricio is supposed to win something? Is he supposed to go for top four? What do you expect the season to play out? Like, what would you be happy with? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't know. I've seen a lot of chatter that like top four should be the expectation or or maybe there's a, a trophy mix in and stuff like that. And I don't know. I'm a little more rooted in realism and maybe that's borderline pessimism in a way, but like... Uh, I mean, anywhere between, honestly, and this is going to sound terrible, but anywhere between sixth to eighth place, I think is probably more realistic, just considering the nature of the squad, how young we are, um, just the cohesion that we need to build collectively. It's really just kind of a ground zero start for us in a way. Um, you know, anything that results in maybe like a league cup or FA cup trophy, I think is going to be, um, um, 
you know, overperforming in a way, anything above, I think sixth, I think is overperforming. You know, there's that, there's that interesting conversation about European football that comes up quite a bit. Right. Um, frankly, I think ownership seems to be okay with missing, missing European football. When I say that, I mean, champions league football, um, for a year or two, if it means more long-term growth. I mean, we got to remember where these guys came from, right? They're long-term like private equity investors too. So they have maybe have a less nearsighted view than maybe some supporters <laughs> or uh, vocal internet supporters um, have than, than some other folks too. So, you know, on that European conversation, you know, I would love to be back in the Champions League. I know there, there's a competitive nature to that. There's a financial component to that. Um you know, but I've also, I also think about like what this conference league that they got, you know, you have the Europa League as well. I'm like, do I, do I want to cloud our schedule with that, knowing that it maybe doesn't carry as much weight as Champions League? I'd much rather play in those competitions if it means we crash out of Champions League. I'd much rather get into Champions League, get out of the group stage and go play in Europa League and then play in that if that's a necessity. But I don't know if I'd want to play a full season knowing we're getting bc rated champ you know european football as well i'd much rather be focused domestically i think that's gonna continue to have us build a a, a foundation so you know i'm looking at sixth to eighth place i know that doesn't mean a whole lot but from 12th it sure means a uh, it means a lot if you're looking at last year anyway um but i will gladly take an fa cup or league cup trophy on top of that so but you know i'm not going to come out and say uh we're going to go beat city this year because unfortunately pep is still there so um you know, I'm rooted in realism. So that's why I'll leave it at that. And I think a lot of the Chelsea fans who think logically, and I know there are a lot of Chelsea fans who obviously are excited and want to think with their heart, but Chelsea fans who think logically would kind of echo what you're saying, which is let's show progress. Let's not flirt with relegation because I think nobody wants to live with that ever again. Let's show progress. And I think what you said there about potentially winning a, a Carling Cup or an FA Cup, which... They're not easy in their own right, but I think it's important to at least make good runs towards those cups because I think it's important for not only the Chelsea fans, but for Mauricio Pochettino maybe to pinch one and break that duck of winning something in England because I think for him it'll just gain confidence, for the players will gain confidence, but for the fans, we know how toxic Chelsea fans can get because we're used to winning for 20-odd years. And so having a cup to just satiate us and say, hey, we've got something Give this yeah. man time. Let's build on here. I think that's very important. Rahul, I'll pass it back to you to share your thoughts. And I know you and I have debated this quite a bit. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with both of you. And I know the, our listeners are going to say, well, last week with the RDU Blues, I said top four. So I'm kind of contradicting <laughs> myself here. But um, that was more in the theme of being positive. And, and yeah, I'd love a top four finish. No, no Chelsea fan is going to say no to that. But uh, like Matt is saying, being realistic, seeing how things have evolved and and we're not a finished team yet. We don't have players that are finished articles. We have a lot of potential in the squad, but we're not going to realize that within one season. So, yes, it's going to be a slow progress. It's going to be painful games and painful results in the next year or so. But as long as we're progressing, like you've both said, and, and moving in the right direction, I think we can all get behind Pochettino, get behind the new owners and and work towards the happy days, which is ultimately what we all want. So, yeah, I, top six top seven top eight um is okay because 12th is was was painful and continues to be painful because every time i get into an argument or try to banter a rival fan they remind me of 12th and then i don't really have a comeback so um but no i i, I totally agree with both of you guys so um before we wrap it up matt any any thoughts from yourself or or anything you want to add about the events coming up next weekend 
Um, well, your your counter argument to rival fans should be whether you're in second or you're twelfth, you still won nothing, so um, <laughs> it's relevant. So, you know, maybe that's your default argument. Um, now, I'm really excited for this season. You know, there's obviously a, a lot to be happy about. You know, one thing we didn't really talk about a whole lot is these performance-based contracts that these guys are signing, yes. and they're much longer term too. So, um, you know, while I'm a little rooted in sixth to eighth place or a little more realistic, maybe these guys overperform because it requires them to put a bit more effort, and they end up with top four a title or something, or, you know, a trophy or something like that. So, I think I'm I'm really interested to see how that you know, the, those contract elements really kind of play out. Um, we're not, we're not going to be any longer this club where people can come and make bank and kind of coast and maybe win a, you know, a title every so often or a champions league or something like that. So um, really excited to kind of see where that goes. I think it also tracks with the younger squad we're getting and, and um, hopefully that results in guys staying a lot longer, right? They're, they stay from their age 20 and they stay through their thirties and their lifelong Chelsea, you know, players and stuff like that too. So um yeah. Um, elsewhere with Beltway Blues, um, again, Saturday 29th, um, Sunday, July 30th, we've got a packed house. We've got a lot going on to um, doors um, for our event at Astro Beer Hall open at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We've got the London and Blue guys going on at 2.30. We've got Spy going on at 5 and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank at 8, too, with a bunch of other stuff little uh, littered in, like giveaways and stuff like that, too. So, um if you're in the area, please stop by, come say hi. Um, if you're traveling um, and want any tips on travel, things to do in the, in the, in the area, um, feel free to ping us on social media, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, that's Beltway Blue CIA, um, or on our Facebook group or something like that too. Um, and that goes for you guys too. I know you've got some things in the air about whether you're going to come. So um, keep me posted on, you know, whether you guys are going to make it or not. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. And we'd love to be there. So we'll definitely be in touch, Matt. Uh, and yes, to our listeners that, that have tuned in and are listening, if you can make it out to DC, Maryland area and, and just celebrate this preseason, celebrate Chelsea, celebrate uh, being with fans and, and fans that have suffered with us together in the last year, but also celebrated in the press. So uh, thank you so much for coming on, Matt. It's been a pleasure. It's great to finally meet you in person. I know we've exchanged a few messages. Uh, so great to finally meet you. And Jackie, any thoughts from you before I wrap it up? No, it's been a good episode as always. It's always good to have people from the supporters clubs because you guys share the passion that a lot of Chelsea fans have in the United States. And it's good to continue to grow that as a team together. Thanks, Jackie. And that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers. Instagram and on Twitter, it's at Premier Chelsea. We're also on threads, so drop us a follow. And just speaking of threads, I know Matt does a great day-by-day uh, -day count of being on threads and related to Chelsea players, so definitely check that out as well. Uh, but as always, send us your feedback, and we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.